Greetings and welcome to Live Courageously and my second podcast show of 2022. After two years of having a weekly Facebook Live on empowerment, inspiration, um, motivation, COVID, current issues, and all the different things affecting us and sharing my stories and the lessons from my life and my journey from the South Bronx to Hollywood and beyond. We're living in very challenging and dangerous times and now more than ever, we need courage. I chose the title of Live Courageously because that's been the uh, conscious theme of my life for the last two years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. As you know, the pandemic went on to shake the world and for too, too long, the dominant response was, and unfortunately still is for many people, fear. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. So I and uh, most of the people I'll be introducing you to on this show chose courage over fear. And I chose not to retreat from life, but chose to move forward. So when I began, when I began planning on uh, doing this show, I created a list of 40 plus of my courageous friends that I wanna interview and have a conversation with and introduce them to you um, and share their stories and their lives of courage. Uh, today, there is something contagious about someone who is courageous. And I'm gonna repeat that. There is something contagious about someone who is courageous. And courage comes in many forms and at many times in someone's life and is always, always a choice. So my next guest exemplifies courage throughout his life and is one of my very, very special friends. So let me introduce you to my very special guest today and my brother, Termite Watkins. Maurice Termite Watkins always loved a good fight. At 10 years of age and a sprawny 65 pounds, he knew what he wanted to be a champion. With very little natural athletic ability, he reached his goals through sheer determination and perseverance. At age 16, Termite became the nation's youngest national Golden Gloves uh, champion. He was an astonishing amateur with 128 wins and only 10 losses. Term Termite turned his senior year in high school and set his sights on a world title. His 58 professional wins included 48 knockouts. In 1980, he fought in Caesar's Palace for the coveted world title in a double main event that featured Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes in a 15-round brutal fight. Termite lost a, a contested decision to the champion, Sal Mambi. Retiring from boxing and enjoying a successful sales car sales career, Termite was settled into a suburban life with his family in Texas until the events of 9-11 changed his life. Termite felt an overwhelming desire. He believed there was a calling of God to serve his country. He asked what he could do for his country. The surprising answer was pest control, the business he learned as a child from his father. The coalition uh, provisional authority needed someone to go into Iraq to rid the military camps of snakes, scorpions, and bugs. And so Termite, took on the challenge and he headed to Iraq. Termite's patriotic service soon spread beyond vipers and flies. He offered boxing classes to soldiers, officers, and aid workers. News spread of the high energy boxer with the infectious can-do attitude. Visionary coalition leader, uh, Mike Goffler presented an amazing challenge to the Texan, build an Iraqi boxing team in the middle of war and get them to the Olympics in Athens, Greece. Um, in the, and during that time, uh, Iraq had been ousted 
for the unspeakable crimes against his athletes. So Iraq had not been in the Olympics in decades. It was a slim to nothing chance, maybe one in a million termites said. Meeting his team of forgotten, rusty athletes in Baghdad, Termite was unimpressed with their skills, but amazed by the heart of these 24 Iraqis. Some arrived without shoes, none had headgears or mouthpiece. It took tremendous courage for these young men to show up on that soccer field to meet an American, said Termite. He fell in love with them, and he put his life on risk every day to help them reach their Olympic dreams. Termite's incredible perseverance and total devotion to a goal was called upon to overcome daunting uh, obstacles. The quest of this unlikely team and their colorful, charismatic coach inspired the world. At a time of tanks and the toppling of Hussein's statues, Termite's team sent the message of hope and freedom in a war-torn nation. CNN, Fox, NBC, ABC, CBS, The New York Times, Sports Illustrated, and every other major news outlet heralded the, the triumph of spirit represented by Termite and his Iraqi team. Termite is a riveting motivational speaker, and he spreads the, spreads the message of overcoming obstacles to groups and schools across the nation. He's a role model, a role model of a man who has lived courageously and a man that I'm honored to call brother. Let's welcome Termite to the show. Hey, Termite. Hey, and John, that, thank you. You're very welcome, man. And, you know, it's uh, it's such an honor to have you on uh, this podcast show. And, you know, you're somebody who, from the day I met, uh, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute, is somebody who impressed me by your spirit of courage, but also your your, your spirit of love, man. And, and you just kind of, both of them radiate from you. And I've been honored to uh, have met you and go on a journey with you. But tell, tell the audience, if you remember where we met, because I always like to connect people to how we got into each other's lives. And then I want to take them on your journey, your life journey. Yeah, I <clears throat> gladly say that. We, we met right outside of Austin, Texas. I believe it was called Stevensville. If, Smithville. Uh, Smithville. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you were doing the, uh, the movie with Dennis Quaid, Beneath the Dark. That's I right. It was Beneath the Dark. Uh -huh. Yeah, Beneath the Darkness. And uh, I had the privilege of coming up there and, and meeting you, and you helped change my life. And um, so it was good. Well, we were, we were, I was introduced to you and your story by a producer, a good friend of ours, both, Fred Cunett in LA. And he, and he told me to, you know, he had told me about two projects that he had, and both of them were true stories. And when he told me about your story, I went, oh my God, this is the best story I've ever heard because it was such an inspiring story about overcoming all odds. So I was like, what can I do to help? And of course he introduced me to you. And then we met down in Smithville, Texas, and you came to the, we put on a concert for the Toys for Tots program and Dennis Quaid and his band, the Sharks played at that. And you came and hung out with, with, with us. And I got a chance to really, in a short period of time, know not only your story, but your heart. And, and I, and, you know, I just felt like I'll do whatever it takes to help, take your story because the, the, what connected us, we wanted to see it made into a feature film. So that was the beginning connection. So that's how we started. But let's, you know, it, uh, and we've been on it. How many years now do you think it's been? I, I keep forgetting. Seven, maybe? Seven, yeah, seven, something like that. <clears throat> yeah, seven maybe years. Even going, yeah, maybe going on eight, but seven or eight years. Yeah. It's been a journey. <clears throat> a, a hell of a journey. And thank you, you know, when 
But let's tell the audience because the audience, you know, your story started out as a, as like I kind of introduced you as a scrawny little kid. And, you know, tell us about your first uh, experience boxing because you went on to become this incredible boxer. But you weren't an incredible boxer your first fight, were you? No, <laughs> no, no. I love to tell the story. Uh, I was getting into a lot of trouble at 10 years old. And somebody told my dad, Bill, uh, get him in boxing. That'll, you know, help. He got all this energy and it'll help, uh, you know, take that energy away and burn that energy off and help keep him out of trouble. So my dad did. <clears throat> so the way I got put into this is that one day uh, I was actually playing baseball and Joe Dove uh, came up to the, to, to the baseball uh, field and said, told my dad, Bill, does Termite want to be a boxer? I heard he does. He goes, yeah, let's talk to him. And so they called me in off the field and my dad would always put me way out in the left field and tell me to keep going. You know, and he, I'd say, I'd run out there and he'd say, keep going, keep going. Because I wasn't any good at baseball. I wasn't any, I wasn't any good at, at anything. So um, anyway, so they called me in and, and we went, uh, I, we went and we put boxing gloves on at my dad's garage or the house where I lived at, at that time. And, put him on with one twin brother and he beat the dog out of me. And uh, I realized then I wasn't sure I wanted to be a boxer. <laughs> so then he put the gloves on the other twin brother and he just beat the devil. They were our two twin brothers. And so then he, uh, after that, uh, he put, he put the gloves on the man's son and uh, Randy Dove and uh, Randy was the taller and, well, he just started boxing circles around me and hit me and whipped me like he owned me. And when it was over, I knew there wasn't no guys around that were going to whip me. And, and you know, because there's three of them just did. And, and uh, Joe Dub was sitting there like this with his arms crossed. I'll never forget. He had a beer in one hand, cigarette in the other, and, and had dark green glasses on and a baseball hat that was cupped. And he goes, yeah, Bill, I think he's going to make it. And I thought, what does he think I'm going to make? A punching bag? <laughs> and uh, and so that night we went, we weighed in. I weighed 65 pounds with my clothes on. And the next night I fought, and I got, well, actually that night I fought and got whipped again. But the next night, it was a tournament. I, I, I won. And I shared victory. And, man, victory is sweet. You know, we as parents, we as adults, we need to help our kids, help our workers, our employees, help them taste victory so they can they can get a sweet taste of it. Well, the next night I fought again and got beat again. And so after it was over, me and my dad talked and he got me a new trainer. And his name was Kenny Weldon. He went on to train 30-something world champions. And, and um, Kenny had a way of communicating with me. And he trained me well, trained me good. And I went for 65 fights without losing, which is just unheard of. And then, um, you know, I, I ended up having 128 wins, 10 losses, um, made the U.S. Olympic team or one of them. Uh, my roommate was Sugar Ray Leonard and Howard Davis, and we traveled all over the world. But that's how I got into boxing. And uh, it's been great. And, you know, and just to, and then I want to go a little further with that made the Olympics thing. But at that point, when you got beat up by those three kids, that could have been 
the end of it for you and you could have went never to do it again, right? But, but yes, you know, and something in there, and that's something I think throughout your life, when you had those moments where things were uh, overwhelmingly challenging or, you know, you found the way to keep going, which is what courage is. You know, you found a way to, you know, uh, and, and you turned those losses into wins. And like you said, 65 fights and then making the, uh, being uh, chosen to go to the Olympics. That's not a small accomplishment, but it took, it took uh, strength inside. It took will and it took courage. What's that? What was in you to kept, to get you to that point? What, you know, what do you think that was, uh, Termite? You know, I think it was a multitude of things. One, I learned I didn't like losing. <laughs> and uh, uh, and especially when I was getting my butt whipped, I was on the wrong end of the deal. I was the one getting whipped. So I didn't like that. And um, But I wanted to be, as a young kid, my dad in, uh, instilled me to, to give all I had, to give my very best. I want to jump off into a little story, and then I'll come back to this. Sure. My dad had never played baseball in his life, but my dad coached baseball and he coached 11 years, had 10 first place teams at 11 years. He, he just knew how to win. <clears throat> and, you know, learning how to win is a process and it's, it's, it comes from within. And my dad taught me to be a winner when I was boxing. He taught me that, there was a price you got to pay for success. All right. That's one thing that we all want to realize. There is a price you pray, you play for success. All right. But there's a bigger price that you pay for failure. And I learned that at a real young age, the, I, I would rather have paid the price for success. The price of failure is just too great for me. Well, that, you know, I mean, that's a, a, a deep thing because I think people have to realize that, that you have to pay a price and you'll pay a price in life, whether you succeed or fail. And the question is, which price do you want to pay? And, and you know, if, if it takes work to succeed, that's a price you have to put in the work, right. but it's worth it to do that, to give up. You're going to pay a price too, but it's not worth it. It's not worth that's it right. to give up and quit. It just isn't. And I think you're, you know, you, you, you sum that up uh, really strong. Um, you mentioned, you know, uh, prior to that, you wanted to come back to it. You ended up because it's going to eventually lead to you a later part of your story. The Olympics. You had an opportunity at that point to potentially go to the Olympics as a young man. How old were you, and what was that opportunity, and what changed? Okay, when you uh, make a a USA team in boxing, I think there was five of them, and um, I made one of them. And then they have a box off and I had already pretty much beat everybody to go to the Olympics. <clears throat> and, um, but there were some things that were going on and I'm not going to name the organizations. Uh, just, I don't want to smear them in the ground. I'm not sure they deserve getting mentioned. Uh, but there was some organization that was controlling boxing and they were taking all the money. These are grown men and women. They were taking the monies that boxing was making. And we didn't even have the money to go to the state tournament. And um, so me and another guy named Barry Yates, we protested at a young age. And that protest knocked me out of going to the Olympics. How, how old were you at that point, Jeremiah? 
I was 16, uh, almost 17, and then I turned 17. Uh, but I, but yeah, and, and I was actually 17 when, when this actually went down. And um, but by taking that stand, it knocked me out of going to the Olympics. Matter of fact, um, um, I have a, uh, um, I wish I would have been in the other room. I have a deal of the people that w- was on the Olympic team. And I, it was me and Sugar Ray Leonard and Howard Davis and, you know, uh, uh, just some great fighters. But <clears throat> but there's there comes a time in life, whether you're in Iraq or whether you're in America, standing against a, a boxing committee. You know, there, there's a there's a time you got to take a stand. So me and Barry took our stand. We protested. It knocked us out of going. But. It knocked that organization out of amateur boxing. Wow. And and it created a new deal, which is still going today, called USA Boxing. And I didn't know the impact that I had, that me and Barry had, until I went to the uh, Olympic uh, uh, Colorado Springs. uh, And uh, we went there, and one of the coaches said, hey, can I show you something? And he showed me a magazine that I'd never had. And it was the front of it. It was talking about me and Barry taking our stand, how it opened the door for all the people behind us. And so we paid a, a big price of not being able to go to the Olympics. Was it worth it? Yeah, because now we got USA Boxing in there. And, you know, to my knowledge, they're doing a great job. And uh, sometimes you got to take a stand for what you believe. And sometimes... It don't work out good for you, but it was the right thing to do. And, and, and John, you know me, I'm, I'm real big about taking a stand, about doing the right thing. Sometimes there's just some things that are right. They're cut and dried right. Those are the things that I'm going to take a stand for. Well, you know, I, 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 I've been on it because every time, and I've, I've spent many times with you in Texas and with your family as well. And I've gone to church with you and I've gone to the gym with you and I've um, seen how you dealt with everybody, not just people who are successful, which I've seen you deal with them, but seen you deal with people out on the street who are begging for money, who you knew, who had drug problems. And each person, you you shared that same thing. So I know you are that. uh, I I mean, I I can't say how impressed I am by uh, being able to see you in action, Termite. But you're right. You know, the message you're sharing with people is you have to be willing to take a stand. And sometimes the price you pay for it may not be at, at, you know, what you wanted, but you did it anyway. You did the right thing and you stood for the right thing. And that's what you did back then. And, and courage, you know, people think courage sometimes is just being a hero, but courage comes in small steps too. And you taking that stand there was a courageous act. You know, it wasn't like, you know, saving somebody in a fire, but you changed something because of your act and you changed the way things were and you didn't even know you were doing it, but you did the right thing and you chose the right thing. So that, that, you know, that started you, but then your journey continued, you know, you didn't get to go to the Olympics, but you then turned pro and then you, that took you to your next uh, phase of your life. So why don't you uh, share uh, some of that uh, with the audience? So I, I turned pro at 17 and um, I went for, I think it was 20, 20 something and oh, uh, undefeated. And at that time, 
I was getting uh, turned down uh, on getting world title fights. And, uh, but finally one day it came that they couldn't turn me down anymore. I'd done it. I'd beat everybody over and over and over to get to this point to fight for a world championship. <clears throat> and uh, it ended up being great. It was on the largest viewing audience in history at that time. It is the, the largest viewing audience in history in boxing still today. That's when Muhammad Ali fought Larry Holmes and I got to fight the great Sao Mambi. And so, you know, I took my stand, but uh, it paid off. I got, you know, I, I worked hard. I came back, got another chance. And, uh, and by the way, <clears throat> it took me so long to get that fight. I'm not going to name any names, but I wouldn't sign with people in boxing. They wanted me to sign. If you sign with me, you can get a world title fight. And I turned that down. And um, because it shouldn't be that way, you should be able to get something because you deserve the opportunity, not because you sign with somebody. And I really don't want to say who it is or, or you know, whatever, because actually it's a few different people. But there again, there's those times you just got to take a stand. Now, I do want to say this, John, and then have your next question ready. <clears throat> I have a strong faith. I have a very strong faith. You know how I feel. I'm not going to get on here and preach to everybody, but I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, I live by that. And my, my whole goal is to win souls and make disciples for Christ. And uh, Christ is, God has always blessed me. And so that's my ultimate goal. Um, next, next one. And yeah, we're going to come back to that later too, but um, I'm, I'm not going to, cause I, you know, as to where you're going in the future, cause I know uh, that is your goal, but here you were, you ended up in Vegas at the, the, the most watched fight online at that time throughout the world, fighting for the championship. You fought a 15 round and it was a contested decision as to the victory. And obviously it's tough when you're fighting against the existing champ, but you got in there and you gave it your all and you, you, you gave the fight of your life in Las Vegas uh, for the championship. And like you said, you didn't do it by selling out to people who wanted you to sell out earlier. You stuck to principles, just like the first principle when you were 16, 17 years old. You did it again, and you still got the shot. So, you, you know, you got, you got to that point. Tell us a little bit about that, and then I'm going to take you to what happened after that, and then eventually how that takes us to the next uh, comeback of your life. You, you know, it was a contested uh, uh, loss. A lot of people thought I won. The only problem, John, is them judges didn't think I won. I don't know what was wrong with them. Man, I, well, that's, that's always a problem, isn't it? It's always a problem. And and I never got to talk to them afterwards to find out what their problem was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, I talked to Saul Mombi. He has passed away, and he was a dear friend of mine. Mm. And I used to ask him, why'd you hit me so hard? <laughs> and, uh, he said, well, why'd you hit me so hard? And he called me dirty. I said, no, you were dirty. Yeah, no, you were dirty. And uh, so uh, me and Saul Mambi, uh, we, we, after that fight, we even become better friends than ever. And uh, so, um, well, you've had some incredible stories. I remember um, we went to, to see a movie together in Houston, Texas, 
about the boxer from Panama. Um, and, you know, that was one of the uh, coolest experiences of my life, Termite, because we, you know, like when you go to the movie, you don't want somebody to like talk during the movie, but you talked throughout the whole movie. And <laughs> I was so happy you did because you, every moment in that movie, you were sharing experiences you had with him and with other fighters. And I was just like, I was just getting this behind the scenes commentary from you on the movie, but on the boxing world and on all these things that I did not know that well. So it was one of the coolest experiences of my life personally, quite to be honest. You, you remember who that fighter was? His was name was Panama. What's the um, God. Roberto Duran? Roberto Duran. That's correct. Yeah, you were supposed, he, to, he, uh, you were supposed to fight him a couple yeah. of times, right? Yeah, go we, ahead and share that little bit of story with people. Yeah, we were we signed to fight him a couple of times, and it never happened. And since we have to be honest on this show, because this, you know, we're being honest. You know, I, sometimes I think I'm glad we didn't fight <laughs> because <laughs> they call him hands of uh, fist of stone. Yes. And uh, he was a great fighter. I think I could have beat him, but uh, I think it would have been a war. And uh, I, I'll never forget one time we had both fought. Uh, it was ending our career. Uh, we were at the Orange Bowl in Florida and we fought in the Orange Bowl outside. It was an outside fight. Five former world champions fought five wannabe world champions. And uh, after it was over, prior to that, he had always wanted to fight anywhere we went. He was ready to fight. He didn't care if people around or whatever. And I had my son with me, and we run into him, and he had his interpreter said, hey, we can be friends now. We're in different weight divisions. We don't have to ever worry about fighting. I was sure glad he was ready to be friends. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know if uh, for the audience, uh, how many people have boxed or experienced boxing. And obviously it, it's a hell of a sport. Uh, I, you know, as a little kid, you know, maybe for about a week, I think I, I might have boxed. But, you know, I went in the ring with you about five years ago for three minutes. And it was such it was yeah. just it was so much fun because. You know, those three minutes were the longest three minutes of my life. I was looking for, for an EMT after it was over. But you were just playing with me and just teaching me stuff and just throwing punches. And, and just those three minutes, you go, God, how? And that wasn't even for real. So if it was a real three minutes, it would have been a whole different thing. But you know, you know that's what you were sharing me with, with Duran and also some of the other experiences you had. Boxing, even as exercise, is one of the most... Uh, uh, strenuous things you can go through, but for real to get in the ring and fight for real is uh, an amazing uh, thing to be able to do it. And then to win all the amount of fights that you did uh, throughout your um, amateur and your professional career is an incredible accomplishment. You know, I was blessed. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm bragging now, but you know, when you get my age, you get to do that. And uh, I had uh, 65 total uh, professional boxing matches had 58 wins, five losses, two draws, and 48 KOs and TKOs. And so I was blessed uh, to share that side of having a good record, having a winning record. Not everybody does, but I was blessed. I was blessed to be good uh, in a sport that's hard to be good, you know, because everybody's wanting to tear your head off. And uh, so I was blessed. I had a great time. Uh, boxing did so much for me. 
till this day right now, boxing is doing so much for me. And anybody that hears this, go do it. If it's to lose weight, if it's to tighten up, if you got kids, get involved in boxing. Well, I'm going to, I have a friend who, a producer friend of mine, who we're going to go and he trains regularly up in uh, LA. We're going to go in the ring and, and I'm going to start doing some with him uh, as well. So yes, it's a good thing, but then get to get back to you, uh, termite, you know, after you lost that, uh, you know, cause a lot of times people don't understand when you get to the, to the pinnacle of a career or a pinnacle in life, it doesn't always turn out there. It, it just isn't always a straight journey up. So when you lost that fight and that decision, it affected your life and you had a, uh, a turn down and you hit rock bottom and you went in the opposite direction and then you turned it around. Share a little bit about that because I think people have to realize, you know, they think, well, you know, if you're almost with a champ, life is great. Life isn't hard, but life got hard for you. If you could share a little bit of the hard that then eventually takes us to the next journey. Yeah. Our our choices, there's consequences for our choices. I fought for the world championship and I had never done drugs or really, you know, I wasn't a big drinker or nothing like that. And um, I was introduced to cocaine. And this is the part that I really hate to talk about, but I have to, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because maybe you'll see me start squirming. Um, <clears throat> I was introduced to cocaine and I didn't turn it down. This was one time I didn't turn it down. I tried it. I was tired from boxing. I just fought for the world championship. Uh, When I should have been training again for another title fight, because I could have got one real quick, I was introduced to cocaine and spent the next probably five years of my life, you know, uh, chasing that drug. And it's very addicting. And my, my first thing is, if you've never tried drugs, don't. They're drugs. They affect you. They mess you up mentally. It did me. It, it cost me five years of my life when I should have been fighting for another world title. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I got into alcohol. I got into drugs. And uh, for five years, I was messed up. Now, I was functional. But it affected me. Uh, in uh, my business, it affected me in my marriage, it affected me. Um, there's a lot of things I missed out on because I was messed up and didn't attend or didn't go to or didn't do many of opportunities. I could have been helping somebody, but I was getting messed up. That's a, uh, a tough part of my life to talk about, but it's, it's just as much a part of my life as anything else. Now, I told you the negative. Here's the beauty, though. Everything in life is a choice. And finally, the choice, it got down um, that I I was forced to make a choice. All right. Uh, my ex said, you either have to quit or it's us, meaning her and the family. And the pain of losing my family would have been greater than the drugs. And so uh, I made that choice. Now, I made it probably 10 or 15 other times, too. Okay? I was going to quit many times. I didn't until I had some persuasion and somebody stood off against me. And um, 
so if you're doing drugs, if you're if you're drinking, you got a problem, alcohol, quit drinking, period. I, I don't like alcohol, period. But uh, but, you know, get somebody to help you. It's hard to do it by yourself. And, you know, termite, it, 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 it is hard to share that. But yet you're right. It's like a lot of people have uh, life isn't a straight line and it isn't a straight journey for a lot of people. And when people go in the wrong direction, they need to turn that direction around. And like you said, in your case, it was that pain that forced you to make the turnaround because you had you had to make a choice and, and which cho- which path were you going to take. And I remember you telling me and, and I met him, you're you know, going to your pastor who you grew up with and I went to school with and hit the role he played also in positive, giving you a positive uh, support to make that change. Maybe you yes. want to share that for a minute. <laughs> I want to take you for it. I do, because he was a good friend. Um he had come up and tried some drugs in high school, but later surrendered his life to Christ. But uh, Johnny, Johnny Brady Jr. And uh, we've been friends since we were three years old. I'm 65, almost 66. So we've been friends a long time. When I was doing the drugs, he never catered to me. He never put up with it. He would talk to me straight on. And I love him even more in this part of my life. We're still best friends. And I'm so grateful that I had a a friend that would be honest with me. And he would take his stand. He would take his stand against me. But he was always there for me. I can't think of, he wouldn't put up with me doing drugs and stuff. But he was always there for me. We were that good of friends. And we all hear that friends is through thick and thin. He proved that a good friend will stay with you all the time. You know, uh, he may not get involved with you. Johnny never did the drugs with me. Uh, he preached the gospel, but he was always there for me. And I'm blessed that I had him for a friend. And I'm so thankful. And, and you know, if you had finished, you know, uh, if the high, highlight of your life was the championship fight, and your family and all that, if that was the highlight of your life, that would be great. But you got something else happened. And that's what we're going to go a little further with. And 9-11 happened. And um, 9-11 became another turning point and another chapter in your life where you got a chance again to step up, step out, be courageous, and, 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 and do something that you probably never would have expected or nobody would have expected to happen for you. So why don't you share that story, 9-11, and where 9-11 led you to? First of all, um, <clears throat> I'm big on America. Right, I'm fixing to say something that's going to offend a lot of people. So what? Okay. Um, I'm an American through and through. If you don't love America, leave. Matter of fact, uh, my email address is termitewatkins at yahoo.com. If you don't love America, contact me. I'll see if I can get some money help get a a one-way ticket wherever you want to go, okay? America is the greatest country in the world. If it wasn't the greatest country in the world, then why does everybody want to come here? Everybody wants to come and get a piece of the American pie. Well, and and also I'm huge on our military, and uh, I love our military. All the military, past, present, and future, I love you guys. I pray for you guys almost daily. And um, so when 9-11 happened, 
Uh, I, I believe as a Christian, God speaks to us. And sometimes it's that little tugging on your heart that gets wants you, you know, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Like a little, you just feel a little tug. And that tug at my heart was, it, I, I, re I, I received a message. I really believe this, that it was my time to do my part. That's powerful. It's all of our time to do our part, but it hit me strong. And uh, I prayed about it every day. And I, and through a series of events, uh, I, I, the war was starting and I thought, wow, this is it. This is where I can make a difference. I didn't know what, but one man can make a difference. And now, let me interrupt you just for a okay. second. You know, you're thinking, okay, you some you're gonna make a difference, and at that point, besides being a boxer, you had also got had a career as a salesperson. But now it gets even crazier because how do you make a difference? I mean, you don't go over there boxing, uh, you don't go over there selling cars, which you were doing at the time, or selling. How do you make a difference? And this is what freaked me out when I heard the story. I was like, oh my god! So please t keep going. I just had to interrupt you. I said, okay. First of all, the message I received in my heart, it was my time to do my part. It was my time to go and serve. It was my time to be a servant. And it was just loud and clear. I've been waited on hands and feet. When you're an Olympian, when you uh, are you know, a fighter that fights for the world championship, people cater to you. And God laid it on my heart that it was my time to do my part. The only thing I could go for was pest control. So I went over to Iraq to support our troops in pest control. I was one of the one of the first. I was told I was the first exterminator in Iraq. I don't know that I was, but I was told that. <clears throat> so I went over there to serve and kill, get rid of bugs. They couldn't get um, pest control people to go. So I went over there. When do I? <laughs> <laughs> so I went over there. And I do have this problem with people cussing me. And so uh, there's a general, you know, a little guy. <laughs> uh, the first day in Iraq, this guy started cussing me. Well, when we take our stands, it don't matter. It's easy to take a stand against somebody you can whip or somebody you're more powerful. But I, I believe it takes a real person to take a stand against somebody that maybe you don't think you can win or don't. You don't have the power, but we do have power. We do. Our words that we speak, our actions that we do. So this general, I uh, it, it, it was time to go to Iraq. Can I back up and tell you a little story along with this? Oh, absolutely. 100% go. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so I won't go in great details on everything. Uh, so, so one day I come in to work. Uh, we were in Kuwait. And my brother was there with me. So we're there. And all of a sudden, one day, um, this the pest control supervisor comes in and says, Termite, go get all your stuff. You have a new home in Iraq. And now before I left, my ex had told me, what are you going to do if a general cusses you? I don't know why she said that, but she did. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I, I spouted off a lot. Tell him not to cuss me. I didn't think I would really do it. So uh, so we, we're in Iraq. We come. We had just gotten shot at and um, missiles shot at us, stuff like that, to get to this camp. So it was a 
pretty hairy ride just to get into where we were going. Umkasar, Umkasar. So we get there, we get to this gate, and then we had to sit at the gate, which we become a target. All right, because when you're on the outside wanting in, you become a target. So we finally, they let us in, and we wasn't a target. We get in, and I was like, whoo, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inside this, this fort. And all of a sudden, two soldiers come up to me, and they said, um, "The gen- are you the bug man? I said, I am. I said, the general wants to see you. And I, I thought to myself, what does he want to see me for? So we, they escorted me in. We go in, and they take me to this back office. And there he is. And these these soldiers, they did their salutes and they turned out and walked off and left me there with him. And all of a sudden, this guy started cussing me and uh, General Buck. And he started cussing me. And finally, I just had enough of it. And I, I just leaned over his desk and I said, sir, no disrespect to you, but I didn't come here to get cussed out. I came here to get rid of your bugs. I said, I think you better send me back home because if you cuss me again, we're probably going to fight and you're probably not going to win. And he said, where are you from, boy? I said, I'm from Texas. He goes, you might know it'd be a crazy Texan that would take a stand against a general. And I said, where are you from? He said, San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) And so I went out and, and I want this to be a credit to God. I had very little stuff to get rid of this problem. And I got rid of this massive fly problem. And me and that general become best friends. And he was awesome. Now, I'm I'm bringing my rope back in because I got kind of outside. And now it's time to reel me back in. Repeat that question one more time. Sure. But I'm going to take you to two questions. The first one is, before you went, you said you had that tugging at your heart, that you were there to serve, that it was your Mm -hmm. time to serve. And you, you answered that. Now, my question, one question for you, and I'll come back to the second question. Was there a moment of um, fear? Here you were going to go to a place you'd never been, the Middle East, to Iraq, to a war zone, one of the worst times in the war, matter of fact. And did you have fear? Did you go like, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? What, what, what was that in you that got you to step forward with that courageous a move to put yourself in an environment where you could have died and, um, and the odds were pretty good of that? And you went anyway. What was that for you inside you? Um, I would be a liar if I didn't say I had fear, but I had God. Okay. And um, through God, I can overcome fear. Fear is something that we as humans, we, we can overcome fear. Now, going back to this trip, I, I told you that it was my time to serve. It right. was my time to be a servant. I want to challenge everybody. If you want some great things to happen, if nothing but greatness in your heart, become a servant, help people. So I become a servant and yes, I did have fear, but in me as a Christian, when I'm walking with the Lord, uh, I would rather walk with the Lord and trust him and overcome my fear. And, um, and, and, Fear, again, is something you can overcome. Overcoming fear is a choice. Remember, everybody, everything in life is a choice. We can choose to do something or not to. I made the choice to overcome fear. What Was I scared? Yeah, sometimes I was. 
I hear you. And now, so you you get over there, you make you, you make friends. I'm gonna try and like move us a little bit forward with the story. You you make friends with this uh, general from uh, San Antonio, Texas, and now you're given. They find out about you and who you were and your boxing, and now you're given something that you didn't expect. You know, you went there to kill bugs, but you didn't expect what was coming in your direction, which was a a chance, a second chance at who you were, but also a chance to change lives. What was that? How did that happen? So why don't you share that with us? So the general left, okay? And it was just, that's another story in itself how he left. I love to tell it, but I won't. But the general left and a man named Mr. Mike Gefeller came in. And Mr. Gefeller, we called Mr. G, come in. And one day he called me. I was killing bugs and he called me and said, hey, come see me. And a defect is where you eat your your lunch and stuff, your breakfast. And, and he, he said, I'm in the well, – actually, actually, let me rephrase that. He had wanted to talk to me, but I was in the defect one day, and one day he walks in, all right? I knew he wanted to talk to me, but one day he walks in and says, um, Mr. Watkins, um, can, can I visit with you just for a second? And I thought to myself, this man talks, he's third, I think he was third in command under President Bush. And I made a joke out of it because you know me, I like to joke around. And I said, sure. I, I was sitting at a table, one of those fold out tables, you know, white plastic top. And I was sitting at it and I said, sure, have a seat at my desk. We're in the DFAC. I said, how can I help you? And he said, <laughs> what are the chances? Of getting Iraq. Uh, oh, before I go there, I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, prior to that, I think this might be what you're looking for. Okay, so one day, I'm, um, I, they, uh, oh, I'm getting so ahead of myself. Okay, so I knew there was a guy named Colonel Stephen Bruce. I met him on the second day I was in Iraq, and I went over to talk with him one day because he 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 was he was actually the one that was uh third in command under president bush and so um i want he asked me to come over uh he wanted to talk to me so i went over the next morning i had to walk a quarter of a mile in this big camp and it was scary because of snakes and getting shot at and all that kind of stuff and i went and i found out that all he wanted me to do he found out i was a boxer and he wanted me to train him so I'm training him. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, I'm training like 40 of our men and women of our military along with him. Then later, Mr. Gefeller came in to me and wanted to talk and said, what are the odds of getting Iraq to the Olympics? And I said, you have a slim to none chance, maybe a one in a million. He slams his hand down and says, great. All we need is one. We don't need a million. I expect you to get it done. And that's how it got started. And so at that point, you once again, you stepped up to a new challenge. You stepped up to a new thing that was what I would say is uh, trying to make the impossible possible. Because to try and do what you had to do with this Iraq, to step into the situation with these Iraqi kids, you had to overcome. And I talked about that in the introduction. You had to overcome all kinds of things. One, uh, getting them trained. Two, getting them qualified. Three, getting Iraq back into the Olympics. You had to overcome all these impossible steps 
to make it possible. And in the middle of a war zone where your life was at risk as well as everybody else's, including theirs, the, the fighters and the, and the soldiers who are protecting you. So you were in that situation to make that happen and you stepped up again. And uh, I'm gonna just put up a quick picture while, uh, while you start to tell us uh, a little bit about that journey together. <clears throat> and the picture is <clears throat> a bunch of uh, all the fighters and you're in that picture in Iraq, but why don't you share us that story that I just kind of, yep. you know, led into. So, so uh, when they asked me to get Iraq to the Olympics, at that time, we thought it had been 30 or 35 years that they had not been to the Olympics. But I believe my wife has done some checking. I believe it may have only been like 20 something years. So anyway, um, so I have, uh, we, we have a box off one day. Uh, I've got the full support of all the Iraqi people, the Iraqi government. Our government was working hand in hand all the way up to President Bush. And so um, we just started, you know, I started just uh, getting a list of who wanted to, to fight and who wanted to be a boxer. So I, I actually set a day and a place and uh, had them come meet me there. And it was at a stadium. And about like 24 um, Iraqi fighters came and uh, said they wanted to fight. So then we had to narrow it down to who got to go to, to fight, if we could even get to the Olympics, because it was a one in a million chance. So we had a box off. And, um, and these, these 24 Iraqi fighters fought each other. It ended up being down to, I think it was 11 fighters uh, that uh, – that we took to the, to the Olympics, but then we had to overcome getting to the Olympics. So we had the one thing of overcoming, getting shot at training, being bombed in Iraq. But then we had another thing fighting the political bull uh, from the um, um, Olympic committee, the world Olympic committee. And it's full of bull. Let me just tell you, it's, it's full. Okay, so anyway, uh, finally, uh, I uh, we got this team and I started uh, calling the uh, and, and my mind is blank, not the U.S. Olympic Committee, but the uh, the world. The, um, International Olympic Committee. Yeah, International Olympic Committee. I'm, thank you. And uh, that's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> I'll wait for them. <laughs> so I uh, found out who I needed to call. And I started my journey of calling and I called for, I think it was 60 days straight that I got turned down 60 days. I either called or sent emails. And, but finally I said the words one time at the, the 60th day or whatever. And they said, you know what, if you can win one of the tournaments, you can go to the Olympics. So now we get to fight in the Olympic trials. And there's three of them. And the first one was um, reel me in if you need me to. I'm fixing to go through the, 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 the series. So we make this team. We, we, get, we, we didn't have sparring. We didn't have um, other fight. We, we had a makeshift team. But we now get an opportunity that uh, we had to get money together. We had to get everything together. And the first qualifier was in the Philippines. And so then the second one was in China. 
and the third was in Pakistan. So the first qualifier, we went, we did good, we won fights, and we didn't get the decisions. It was corrupt. You know, the International Olympic Committee was corrupt. There was one person that was part of that. We're not going to get in here bashing people. One person. And, uh, uh, and so we went, we fought, we won, but we didn't get the decision. So we're, we come back. And we come, and I'm cutting so much out. So we come back, and now now we're uh, fixing to go to the second qualifier. So um, then, of course, Fern got killed, and we'll talk about that later. But but we we went to China, didn't get it there, and then we went to Pakistan. They even even offered me to pay money and booze and women, and I could get a win. Can't do it. Okay, I'm going to go back to your question because I'm getting out there now. No worries. So what, what I'm going to do, because I, I know I, I knew this going into it, I knew that we would have a real problem with trying to fit this in an hour. <laughs> and uh, I I was a little bit too optimistic to Mike, but uh, I, I think what we need to do, what, what I'd like to do is do another whole show just on the whole Iraq thing because I'd love to. There's so much detail. There's so much... Um, stuff that we want to talk about and stories that that I'd love you to share. But I'm, you know, uh, I, we're like running. We're uh, well, we're ready over time, but my time. But um, that's okay. But I, you know, I just wanted to. So I want to kind of push us forward to finish this up. But then we're gonna say we're gonna do another show and we're gonna go deep into this and do a deep dive if you don't mind, because I'd love to, you know. But but I want to kind of just tell tell people the accomplishment, get them to the thing, and then we'll come back and we'll take them through the story. But you were, you accomplished what the, the impossible. You did the impossible, and I want you to kind of sum that up, button that up, and then we want I want to share about what we're on to now as we wrap up the show. So okay. why don't you do that? I am actually going to tell the real short form. I know it's going to be hard for me, but I'm going to tell <laughs> the short form of this. Uh, well, we, did make it to the, we did make it to the Olympics. Um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. And I believe that, that we can do all things through Christ. And the God that you're looking at right now, we had our box off and then uh, they actually, he was the one fighter. Uh, we got a wild card. We got a wild card because we was the thorn in somebody's side. And I got to pick uh, a boxer and not me. We had a, a box off. Uh, and then we, then all every all the fighters picked Najah Ali to go to the Olympics, and so we did make it. And so I'm not going to get off into that because, man, there's another story in itself of of the trip and uh, and the Olympics itself. But we did get it. We we did make it. And, and so it just and once again, we're going to do another show and we're going to go deeper because there's just so much here. Uh, just Iraq alone is an hour and that even is going to be challenging, but we'll, we'll do a second show on this cause we need to, but, but, you know, here you did, you had a, a second chance at your life. You know, like you said, to, to button it up from the beginning, you took a brave stand. You turned down uh, a chance to go to the Olympics by uh, stepping out courageously when you were 16, 17 years old. And here you were in the Olympics taking a, an Iraqi team of all things. You know, when I've shared these stories and I've shared your story about, you know, the movie that we're, we're going to uh, make, 
when I've shared the story of it, everybody just looks at me like, like I'm crazy. It's like this, you know, this would be the most amazing story if it was fiction, but it's true. And, you know, you had a second chance at life and you took it and you ended up in the Olympics in a way you never expected. And you created a mission where you inspired these Iraqi kids and you gave them their, their Olympic dreams. Just an amazing story. And then that leads us to where we our journey together after seven years of what we're trying to do with turning this story into a feature film to share it with the world because it's a story of uh, overcoming uh, adversity, of hope, of inspiration, of all the things that you bring to life. And, um, and, and you know, once again, I remember you asking me if that was impossible. And I've said to you, well, you know, I don't know if it's impossible, Termite, but I know the one thing is nobody's shooting at me as I'm trying to help you make this uh, project come. They were shooting at you. So at least I had it a little bit easier than you did. But, you know, after seven years, we actually have come to a certain point where we are. Uh, and why don't you share that? And I'm going to put up a picture of you speaking uh, in your gym, Fighter Nation in Houston, Texas, that I was honored to be part of when we did a press conference. And why don't you share that? Okay. <clears throat> um for me, it's been, uh, this is what's incredible. Uh, I've been about 18 years chasing this dream and not settling for, you know, less. Uh, and through God bringing you into my life, uh, they're doing a movie. And uh, I, since it's already been broken out, but uh, you, thankful to you and Stefan, uh, we... And we're doing a movie, uh, Sylvester Stallone, and uh, he is uh, Balboa Productions. Uh, Balboa has uh, been interested in the movie, and and I, I love the story. Uh, uh, John, you you went and you were going to sell the story to them, and they sold you on why they should do it and why it should be them. And uh, and anyway, now we are, we have partnered up with Balboa Productions which my hat's off to Sylvester Stallone and Braden. These guys are awesome and uh, just can't wait to see where this is going now. Well, you know, it's been uh, an incredible long journey for you, 18 years with this project to try and see this come to fruition. And, and this year um, I, we finally, you know, we have the relationship and, and I'm going to go a little bit over because, because I have no choice. <laughs> because, um, and you know, because your your, your life has been too uh, amazing, and, and, and the reason I wanted to share this so much with the audience is because now more than ever, people need um, to be courageous. People need to have faith over fear. People need to have that. But you had that throughout your life, and that's what led us together and led us to have this journey. But just when we thought we were moving forward two years ago, 2020 uh, 20 of March, we were supposed to meet with them to move the film forward. And then you ended up getting COVID, a really extreme case of it right in the beginning when it was at its worst point and when nobody knew about it and knew how to treat it. And you ended up in a hospital in Texas. Share that because that was a, a um, another uh, thing that was thrown in your direction to see how tough you were, I guess, by God. But, you know, may, share that story. Um, I did uh, get the COVID. I was early 
when it a little over a year and a half ago when it was really almost two years ago when it was kind of new <clears throat> and I did go on the ventilator. I was on the ventilator for 18 days in the hospital for 30 or whatever days. And uh, I was blessed to overcome it. John, I, I, you got to let me do something right quick because uh, there's a lady sitting beside me that I have to bring over here right now. Come here just for a second. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm putting you on the spot, Cindy. Everybody, this is my wife, Cindy. And uh, anyway, I believe that she prayed so much. I believe God was saying, okay, Cindy, if you'll just leave me alone, I'll <laughs> termite. And so uh, after eight, 18 days on the ventilator and 30 days in the hospital, I was able by the by the grace of God to overcome a COVID. And, uh, and, and I had to bring her, John, you know, I had to do, you knew oh, I was going to do it. And I, <laughs> and the fact, if you didn't, I would have been disappointed in you and she would have, <laughs> you would have not had a good day. So I think you did the right, you did the right thing. And, uh, and I remember through that, cause I was, you know, in touch with Cindy at your wife, as you were going through it and watching all the posts that she had and, her, you know, organizing everything in the hospital for you and, you know, uh, uh, just an amazing force of love and prayer for you because uh, everybody was praying for you. And it was and, it, you know, uh, it was it was scary because, you you know, it was it wasn't a mild case. It was a very uh, vicious case that you had. And thank thanks to Cindy. Thanks to the prayers. Thanks to your courage and your strength and the fact that you are a fighter. Um, you obviously were putting up your fight in the hospital room as well. So you want another fight, probably the biggest fight of, of your life. And I, and I think just, uh, you know, the power of courage and the power of love is just two things that radiate from both of you. And I'm honored to know both of you. So, you know, and I'm lucky to be part of your family now. So, you know, it's you are. very special to me. But we have a lot more. And I, you know, there's so much more. And I want to go deeper with all of this. Um, but I would just want to say, you know, sum up you, you know, and, and you can finish up after that uh, term, Mike, but you know, there's, a, uh, there's so much that you continue to do, you know, as a motivational speaker, as a uh, trainer of kids at your fighter nation gym in Houston, Texas, uh, in the work that you do, you know, there's so much you do. So I'm going to put up your contact information in a minute for people if they want to have you speak. If they want to have you consult, they want to have you train, all the things that you're doing. You got a whole uh, um, boxing uh, fest uh, thing going on that you just did recently. But we'll come back to all that in the next show. But I just want to, you know, sum up that, uh, you know, the big thing coming forward for us is making this movie and sharing this uh, bigger with the world. And um, I'm just honored to have been on this journey with you and, and to be uh, part of continuing the journey to get us there. So. I'll let you kind of sum up whatever you want to say in finishing, and then I'll put up the information where people can contact you, uh, Termite. Um, <clears throat> I do want to give a big shout out to Fred Kuhner for bringing us together. Fred, if you could hear this, uh, he has been, uh, John is the best teammate I could have ever had. Um, and I believe it's a team of us that are doing this. Uh, something I would like to close with is that uh, don't ever quit. Uh, anybody that hears this, you know, it's not that I'm that special or anything like that. I just don't quit. All right. I just keep on and keep on and keep on until something happens. You know, it's easy to quit, but sometimes it's hard to keep going. 
uh, me and my wife have a have a saying that um, you just got to swing the bat. If you don't swing the bat, you can't hit the ball. And I swing the bat a lot. I strike out a lot. But you know what? I hit a home run every now and then. I did on the Iraqi uh, trip, you know, to the Olympics. I hit a home run with my wife. And uh, so you got to swing the bat to hit the ball. So I leave this with you. Uh, don't, uh, and there's a bunch of people coming on there. I'm so glad they're listening. But don't ever give up. Keep swinging the bat. Don't ever get up. And remember the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't give up. Thank you, Termite. Thank you for all that. And we're gonna we're gonna go through another show because because we have to. But I want I, I want and uh, you know and, and let me tell you uh, to the audience who are listening. You know this ain't even the the you know back in school. You know when I before I dropped out, we was what, what, what <laughs> those those notes that you know like you would cheat not cheat but. The, the, to get the short uh, version. This wasn't even the short version. This was a short, short version of, <laughs> of, of Termite's story. Because one of the great things about Termite is, uh, besides everything else, Termite is an incredible storyteller and an incre incredible motivator. So, you know, I, I've had the honor to speak with him at events. And um, I had the honor to speak with him at a, a group of young kids who were studying karate at like six o'clock in the morning, which was like, <laughs> an incredible experience. So I've had, I've gone on some of the journeys and watched the storytelling and the, and the inspiration that comes from this uh, amazing guy. So, you know, we're going to be sharing more. Uh, we're going to do another show and uh, let me just see if I can throw up your contact information. Yeah. So if you want to contact him for speaking engagements, uh, his consultant company, Boxing with Termite, his charitable foundation of uh, his stuff that he does at, uh, in Houston, Texas at Fighter Nation, you can contact him at Termite Watkins at yahoo.com so that's where you reach them termite watkins at yahoo.com and uh once again thank you uh termite for taking the time today thank you for sharing your story in this little condensed version with the audience man and, and we have a lot more to do and so uh thank you so much uh god bless you have a, a you and cindy have a fantastic uh, uh sunday and week and uh we'll be talking soon talk to you soon and as me and cindy always say we love you and, and as I always say, I love you back. And, and also, uh, because you introduced me to the best ice cream in the world, Blue Bell, <laughs> the next time I come, I'm going to have to have some of that again with you. So thank you, brother. Thank you both. Love you both. Love Talk you. at you. Bye. So, everybody, that was a short, uh, well, <laughs> a little bit over an hour. I couldn't, I, I was trying, I was trying to lock it to an hour. But uh, anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of this uh this journey um, of Maurice Termite Watkins. Uh, I think it's a, what, you know, I've been blessed to have some amazing people put in my life uh, and to become uh, brothers, sisters, uh, family for life. And Termite is one of the most amazing people that's been put in my life. And I've been honored to know him for, for at least seven year, plus years as we've gone on this journey together. So we'll be sharing more about him. I'll do another show about, because the whole, uh, his time in Iraq during the war, 2003-2004, um, just the factors of courage. But I think if you listen to his story, here's somebody who exemplifies the philosophy of live courageously. Here's somebody who exemplifies the philosophy of, of faith over fear, never quitting, 
and, and, and like he said, to be a servant. And a lot of the people that I'm going to be bringing on the show in the next coming weeks are what I call servant warriors. Some of them have been in the military and they've been servant warriors in the Marine Corps or in, in uh, other branches. And then they come out of the military and they've been servants in nonprofits and organizations where they've committed their life to make life better for people who uh, need people like that leaders. So Termite is a servant warrior. Um, termite is somebody who uh, exemplifies all the characteristics I think that I model for my life. And I just think that uh, you would learn from uh, his story. And I look forward to us making uh, the feature film about his life and then sharing it with, with everybody. So thank you once again. Thank you for watching uh, Live Courageously. And I challenge you to, to live your life with faith over fear. Live your life courageously. No matter what you're going through, find a way to choose courage and um, have a great weekend and God bless.